Welcome to Hashtag Managed, the podcast that takes you behind the scenes of building a booked out social media business. Tune in every week for transparent conversations from a six-figure social media agency owner, sharing the highlights and lowlights of being a business owner, and episodes featuring industry experts to help you start, scale, and book out your own social media management business. Now, here's your host, Jessica Sheehy. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Hashtag Managed. I'm really excited to dive into our conversation with today's very special guest. We're going to dive deep into her journey as an entrepreneur, and we're going to talk about outsourcing. We have a really awesome conversation lined up. This week's guest is Michelle. Michelle began her marketing journey in 2019 as a part-time entry-level social media manager with zero marketing education or experience. Today, she is the marketing director for eight different businesses and oversees over 30 marketing freelancers. Yes, 30 marketing freelancers. While managing these teams of specialized marketers, she realized that every small business and solopreneur could get the marketing they deserve without hiring expensive agencies or internal employees. Today, her company, Micromarketer, helps business owners build the exact marketing teams they need. Her team acts as a marketing director for rent, preparing businesses to receive marketing help, then finding the ideal freelancer that will move their business forward. She's obsessed with hooking up business owners and contractors and sending them off into the sunset on a beautiful marketing adventure. Michelle, welcome to the Hashtag Manage podcast. Tell us a little bit more about you and your story as an entrepreneur. Hi, Jessica. Thanks for having me. Um, Yeah, absolutely. So I actually got started in a completely different field. I was a teacher for five years. I taught uh, rascals in high school. I loved it. I loved the creativity. I loved the analytical part. I loved crafting a strategy. Um, but ultimately, it was not the right place for me. So I kind of dabbled in a lot of freelancing areas after I left. I had babies at home, so I was looking for remote opportunities. And eventually, I stumbled into my first marketing job, which was a complete, like, I did not deserve to have that job, but an amazing woman took a chance on me and taught me everything I needed to know. So it was a very part-time, very entry-level. I wouldn't even call myself a social media marketer. I was a social media manager. Like I was posting what corporate told me to post. I had no strategy, um, but I learned so much from that job. And I started to dabble in email marketing. And then I got my first client, like on the side, very side hustle. And, um, that was kind of it. I was hooked. I was in marketing. So from there, I honestly kind of talked myself into a lot of different jobs that I wasn't really qualified for. But again, I just kind of bootstrapped it. I took all the courses, all the free trainings, listened to every single podcast I could get my hands on and just learned as much as I could about digital marketing. Um, and I really dived into social media in the beginning and was a social media manager and then eventually marketer and then got into digital ads for a couple of years and then started to take on email marketing. And before I knew it, I was doing like local biz strategy and finding media buyers and print buyers for them. And before I knew it, I was a marketing agency of one and I was doing all of the things for everyone, which 
as we all know, is totally unsustainable. So it was at that point that I realized I needed to kind of leverage the other skills that I have, which is operations and people management. And again, kind of talked myself into a job that I had no prior experience for and got my first marketing director position. And that's when I was able to kind of start working with more businesses. You know how it is, you get more efficient the longer you do something. And so now I get to manage some pretty big teams for a couple different uh, businesses. And um, I am so lucky. I love what I do. But again, I'm just one person. And I kept having people ask me if I could help them or do I have any recommendations or can I run their marketing? And there's only so much you can do. So that's kind of when I came up with this idea of being a marketing director for rent. So I now get to work with businesses who want to replicate what I am doing, creating a marketing outsourced team that is freelancers, contractors, specialists to get just what they need, right? They don't want a full agency. They just need maybe five hours of this specialty, 10 hours of this specialty. So I help them build those teams that they need to get exactly the marketing that they want. None of it would have started if I hadn't began in social media marketing. So I have such a heart for your audience and for everybody who's in that field, because I think it's one of the most crucial entry points into digital marketing. Yeah, I love that. I just love hearing your evolution from teacher to entry level social media marketer, then getting into the marketer for hire. I just feel like it's such a really awesome natural progression. And mm -hmm. kind of going back to that point that you mentioned, you don't have a formal education in marketing, but you bootstrapped it. You learned everything that you could, consumed all of the content that you could about social media marketing and just the industry and as a whole. And I think there's so much awesome information out there that really makes this industry really entry level for anyone. If it's even someone who is maybe right out of high school, maybe right out of college, maybe transitioning from a career like yourself. I'd love to, so many questions that <laughs> to kind of ask about your journey and just your expertise, sure. Michelle, but I'd love to talk a little bit more about your experience as a teacher and how that could mm -hmm. really help, how that really has helped you into the role that you have today. I know, of course, you know, with a teacher, I'm sure time management, you know, mm -hmm. dealing with all of your high schoolers is probably <laughs> multiple jobs in and of itself. I can't even imagine. Um, but I would love to know, you know, what are those skills that you felt like really could be easily replicated, not only as a social media manager, but just as an entrepreneur? Yeah, absolutely. For social media management in particular, um, for a while I was mentoring new social media managers. And one of the things I would say is if you are not good at managing huge amounts of assets, you're going to struggle in this job. Because even if you just have one client, you're going to end up with hundreds and hundreds of videos and photos and captions. And you're going to need to be able to keep in your brain their opening hours and the CTA that the business, like there's just so much content and assets that you have to be able to maintain. Um, and so that is probably the first skill that really served me in social media management. Because as a teacher, I had 150 students. I was a high school teacher. So I did not want to be that teacher who lost people's papers. I think we all had that teacher, right? Who like was so disorganized that you didn't really feel safe in their classroom. And so I was meticulous about that. 
about being super organized with all of their papers and due dates and keeping them accountable, but also keeping myself accountable, right? Because as a teacher, you're grading a lot. You need to have things back in a timely manner. And so that's the other part of it is that time management, as you as you mentioned, and getting things planned out and, um, you know, making sure that I had enough time to not only create new content, but also to review what we had previously done so that we could reevaluate, right? And again, Everybody knows that is one of the most important skills as a social media manager. If you're not going back and looking at your analytics and your insights, you're wasting your time because you're flying blind. So not only do you have to think ahead to the future and the new content you want to post, but also how did previous content perform and how can you improve the new stuff based on that? Yeah. Oh, okay. That is so good. I didn't even think about what you mentioned about having to manage so many assets and First of all, (laughs) a round of applause to you. And I don't know how you did it with 150 students, because if I thought about that in terms of clients, I think my head would explode. (laughs) Um, And I know with students, there is, you know, so much more than just, you know, managing accounts. But I often get the question in our community where where someone is asking, you know, how can I become booked out as a social media manager? And I really think that question varies so much on who we are as um, a person, how, you know, how creative we are, how operationally focused we are, how much mm-hmm. time we have, if we have other things. And I think there's so many things that can kind of vary with that. But I think that number definitely varies from person to person. But I love that you have that background and can really see how those skills translate because mm-hmm. so many people in our community, there's so many teachers who are coming from a teaching background and they are pivoting out into the entrepreneurial world. They're getting into social media marketing or just digital marketing in general. And Mm -hmm. it's always that question of, I don't have that formal background. I don't have that formal training, but how can I take that? And to me, I think the skills that people, not only teachers, but other industries can bring into the marketing world are just far more valuable than someone who has that marketing background. And I'm certainly not bashing anyone. I certainly went to school for marketing. I have marketing (laughs) internships and backgrounds, but I can just, I just know that for me, those skills can be taught. We can learn all of the platforms. We can learn how to create a social media strategy, how to gather and analyze data for our clients. But what Mm -hmm. is really hard to learn and you really need on the job experience is customer service. It's time management, people skills. And that is usually something you can get from other careers before this. So I think that's a really important thing. Michelle, you mentioned the difference between a social media manager versus a marketer and how at first you were social media manager. I would love if you could dive into that a little bit more. And how do you define those two roles? And how did you know which one was the best path for you at that time in your career? Great question. Um, I'll start with the the latter. I had no idea. I didn't know what either. I didn't know that there was a difference. No idea. Right. Um, I only now realize the difference as a hiring manager, as a marketing director, because I thought that I was responsible for all the successes and the failures of the accounts I was running when I first started. But I actually had very little control. I was working for a corporate job who had very strict rules about what I could and could not post. There were things I had to post on certain days and they had pretty much the strategy totally outlined. There was a little bit of creativity in there. I had a decent amount of creativity with things like stories. 
Um, but it was a little bit more of just posting, watching comments, watching DMs, things like that. And so for me, a social media manager is that entry level position where you are working with somebody else who is a social media strategist, or maybe you're part of a bigger department where you're not responsible for that strategy and that big picture content plan and how social media is a part of a larger digital marketing roadmap. You are instead responsible for getting the content up and making sure that you're responding to the customers. Eventually, as I started to work for clients and I was responsible for all of the strategy, that's when I took on more of that social media marketer role and realizing that it's a part of the whole. It's such an important uh, channel, especially for local businesses. But if that's all you have is social media, then you're going to be kind of hurting, right? Because as we all know, those platforms can crash or close your account or whatever at any point. So when I realized that social media was a part of the bigger picture and that I needed to craft a strategy that worked for each individual platform, but also fit into the larger marketing picture, then that's when I realized that there was more to go, right? There, in fact, there was a whole lot more to go. And then I started to do paid ads for clients. Um, and, you know, and then it just it just builds and goes from there. So when I'm hiring now, there are two different things that I could be hiring for. If, if it's a if it's a social media marketer, then that's somebody who is going to need more knowledge, probably a little bit more experience. But I can teach just about anyone as long as they have some creativity some analytical skills, and they're super reliable and organized. I can teach just about anybody to be a social media manager. I don't know that everybody has the chops to be a social media marketer. Yeah, yeah. I think that's so I so well put with how you really define manager versus marketer because it really is the entry level versus the all-encompassing. Okay, now we're focused on strategy. Now we're focusing on, you know, driving the needle a little bit further in the business. And it's so much more than just, okay, what are we going to post today on exactly. that platform? And I think that's a really good thing that I really love to define. And I love for other people to define it as well because so many people who come into our collective community, they are really unsure of all of the different paths that you can take when it comes to mm -hmm. the social media marketing world. And I know we're really just covering two main ones right now, but there are so many and we'll probably dive into them in a little bit later in our conversation when we get a little bit deeper into, you know, the hiring um, and those specifics that Michelle and her team do. But it's really good to define that because not everyone has the love for certain parts of social media. So I think mm -hmm. that's what makes this industry really fascinating to me is that there's a lot of different things that we can learn and we can kind of adapt to do that. I know at this kind of around this point in your journey, Michelle, you start dabbling, like you said, into paid. I think you also mentioned email as well. Mm -hmm. Is there any additional things that you took on or started expanding once you got a little bit broader in the digital marketing scope and what mm -hmm. advice would you give to someone who is wanting to maybe tackle on more things because I know then that's kind of where we get a little bit outside of that social media manager marketer scope right yeah I definitely um tried to become a jack of all trades which I think you know we all know because we're talking about niche left and right these days 
uh, is not a good place to be. And so it has served me very well as marketing director because it now means that I understand what pretty much all of my specialists are doing because I've dabbled in all of their things from automation to, you know, not only copywriting, but email marketing, the paid ad side of things, tracking, you know, UTM, all of that kind of stuff I've dabbled in. So I would say master your area first. So if you are starting out as a social media marketer and you know that you would like to continue on with marketing and, you know, work your way into other areas, um, be strategic. I, I think the path I took is the one that makes the most sense because you go from organic to paid and then most of the time we're driving towards an email list or an SMS list, right? So then if you're getting into those kind of things, and then if you're in email, then you're probably learning automations, you're probably learning tracking, you're learning, you know, a little bit of Google Analytics and that kind of stuff. And then, oh, well, how are we going to collect those leads? We need to make landing pages. And then you're learning a little bit about website development and stuff. So my advice is don't actually try to be a website developer or an email marketer or any of those kind of things. But, you know, listen to all of the resources and learn about each of these specialties. And if you would like to eventually move into another thing, do as much research as you can and then go all in on that one thing instead of signing up for 20 courses like I did and trying to do all of them at the same time. Oh, guilty, guilty, guilty. <laughs> I know a few years passed when those big business and marketing bundles were all the rage in the online world. You know, it was like, okay, 132 courses for $99. I'm like, immediately, yes. I go through three <laughs> of them and then the rest are just sitting in Google Drive where yep. they probably will live forever. Um, but, you know, you immediately see, okay, I need all of those things. And especially, you know, being that Jack or Jill of all trades, being an entrepreneur, I'm like, yes, I want to learn more about PR and finance and affiliate marketing and influencer marketing. Tell me all the different things <laughs> that I can really add on to um, add on to my tool belt. But I really love your advice on getting going the next step and taking the slow steps into learning more because I think really a lot of things in marketing are super complementary and knowing how other things mm -hmm. are working. I know once I started to really lean more into digital marketing, so funnels and paid ads mm -hmm. and email marketing and just how that really all played for the bigger picture. That's where I felt very confident coming to my clients, having them take on bigger packages and increasing our scope and just really getting more fine tuned into, okay, this is how I'm going to help you. And this is the return that we're going to get on the project because just having that overall bigger picture. So I think it's always exactly. great to learn those different things. And I think it's a really awesome thing to just have a conversation about. I know social media managers are the big part of our community, but I know so many people are wanting to maybe start with social media and then you kind of find your love and your passion in email marketing or copywriting or podcast yeah. manager or whatever that kind of falls into that. So I think that is really, really important. 
I want to kind of do a slight little pivot and talk sure. a little bit more about outsourcing. I think yeah. outsourcing is, I know there's a lot of things <laughs> we can cover. Um, and so I would love to kind of think about it from the business owner perspective, because I know that you, you know, work with a lot of business owners who are looking to hire freelancers. And I know we'll talk a little bit more about that too, but what would be your advice, Michelle, for someone who is thinking about outsourcing? Is there mm. a good first step or what should they do to really prepare their businesses for that hire? Yeah, you bet. Um, I would say that the number one thing that's holding people back from outsourcing is not money. Um, it's not not knowing who to hire. It's the fear of turning over a piece of your baby to somebody else. In particular, marketing is incredibly personal, right? Because a good marketing message represents your business. And so many of these businesses are the, the business owner, right? It's, it's a part of them. Their brand is part of who they are. And so to hand that over to somebody else and to trust that they will do a good job with it is really, really hard. So um, anybody who works with my team, we actually require that they prepare their business to outsource before we ever hook them up with the actual freelancer. Um, and that involves three steps. The first is brand guidelines. And this is not your logo and your colors. That's what most people think. They're like, oh yeah, I've got my branding. That's not what it is. It's your voice, your tone. Do you use emojis? Do you like allow grammar mistakes? Do you swear? Uh, you know, who's your ultimate avatar? How are you trying to communicate to them? Um, it's a very comprehensive thing that we give them a questionnaire and we meet with them and we really dial in all of those things so that they can then hand that brand guideline to somebody else who can then read it and get a really good feel for that business. That really gives the business owner the sense of peace that they need in order to trust that somebody else understands what they're trying to accomplish. On the flip side, it helps the freelancer feel out this business, right? Because there's nothing worse than going into a business and trying to help them when they don't even know who they are. So oftentimes we find that we're asking questions of these business owners that they've never even thought about before. The second part that we require are SOPs, right? Standard operating procedures, which are super not sexy at all, but they are so important to the success of outsourcing. Um, we're obviously only doing things that are related to marketing, in particular to the skill that we're, we know that we're eventually going to hire for. Um, you know, and it's things like how do people access your accounts? What is the best time of day that you respond to your customers? Like, how are you going to send this invoice? Whatever it is, we're, we're making them film looms and write it out. And we're helping them along the way to create this library of SOPs. And then the final part of that is the onboarding schedule. So what would you expect your freelancer to deliver after a week, after two weeks? after three weeks. And again, this is for both sides of the coin. That way the business owner knows, all right, I'm hiring this person, I'm spending money, and I can expect that within five weeks they will have accomplished all of these things. And if they haven't, then that's gonna give them a roadmap to be able to evaluate whether or not they wanna continue working with that freelancer. On the flip side, how wonderful is it to start a new job and to know exactly what's expected of you? 
and to understand what wins you can shoot for right away. So once those three things are in place, then we will help the business owners find a freelancer. So for anybody out there who is looking to do this on their own and isn't looking to hire a company like mine, these are the things I think are absolutely crucial and you should not try to outsource anything, but especially your marketing until you have those three things in place. Yeah, I love that. I think I want to start with the first point that you made there, Michelle, with that it's not about money. I think a lot of people, when they think about outsourcing, at least they're not directly thinking it's money, but they're using it as the biggest excuse. But, you know, money, there's always more money to be made. There's always Mm -hmm. more clients or more sales coming in in any given month in a business. And if not, then that's a topic for another podcast episode here. But fear is such a big thing. And I think Mm -hmm. just, I love all of the three things that you outlined. I think once you really define those three things, I think that fear is immediately eliminated because you're Mm -hmm. covering all of the bases and then some. You're anticipating how someone can step in and really fully step into the right pair of shoes for that role because they've got the roadmap of what's needed for the brand guidelines beyond, you know, the basics that you mentioned. I think all of those things are all the really small things that the business owner who is driving that message, they know all of those things, but to have that written down in a handbook or a place that someone can access is really, really great. And I think having SOPs are so important. They are, like you said, the most unsexy thing that we can do (laughs) in business, but they are so crucial. When I think about it, when I have worked on teams in the past that have SOPs, it's been really awesome to step in and know all of these small things. So, you know, coming in, knowing, okay, how do we you know, respond to, you know, customer service DMs on Instagram, Mm -hmm. or, you know, how do we answer those questions that are coming through? What's the most appropriate response? So you don't have to go through all those other channels or bother someone in Slack or send a Voxer message or an email of what do I do here? What do I do here? Everything's perfectly lined out. And even to, you know, having those is really, really important. So I think SOPs are a great thing to set up, even if right now you're listening to this episode and you're thinking to yourself, I'm not really in the place to hire, but if you know, and if it's on your one year, your three year, your five year roadmap to hire, PSA, create the SOPs now, because when you get uh-huh. to that hiring point, it's going to be like, oh no, yep. <laughs> here I go again. And here's, I think here's the rule. If you do something more than I would say three times in a row, make an SOP for it, make a loom, do a screen recording, whatever it is, but just capture it. And just like what you said, you're going to be so grateful when you finally get to that point that you're ready to outsource. Yeah, I love that. I think that's a great rule of thumb. If you do it more than three times, create the SOP because you're going to need to train someone at some point on your team to be able to take that off your plate. I think that is so, so good. So I love all of those different things where it comes down to just being really established. I think setting the expectations for the role. So it's known Mm -hmm. what needs to happen. And those are benchmarks that you can measure for different roles. When I think about past roles that I've hired for, for team social savvy, and I think about the hires that didn't work out when you were going through the three things, Michelle, I'm thinking, wow, okay, that hire, we didn't have the first thing set up on the list, that higher, okay, there really wasn't a lot of expectations, but now, thankfully, and it's 
taken five years in business to get them all set up and properly working <laughs> to where all of those things are set up. And so now I feel so confident when someone is joining the team that I don't have the thought in my head of, oh no, are they prepared? Am I setting okay. them up for success in the role? Because I think that really is such a big thing when it comes to outsourcing. And that's really Absolutely. important. Um, Michelle, I'd love to talk about what it looks like for someone who is a freelancer who might be looking mm -hmm. for marketing teams join. Do you have any advice for them on where they should start or how they can better prepare themselves to step onto other marketing teams? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's kind of a, it's a saturated market right now, right? Um, COVID gave all of us this amazing gift of being able to work from home, but it also meant that so many more of us are working remote jobs. And I think marketing and this is me completely making up the statistic, but I think marketing has more remote jobs than any other industry because pretty much every single specialty can be done completely online. So um, it's a saturated market out there. So my first piece of advice, no matter how you're applying, if you're trying to find people on Upwork or Fiverr or you're going to actual job boards or you're just networking, whatever it is, You've got to customize your pitch, your proposal, your application, your cover letter, whatever it is, please do not send a generic copy paste templated whatever. Um, I sort and sift, my team sifts through hundreds of applications for every single job that we post. And we have actually a pretty easy time sifting through those because the ones that are chat GPT or super generic immediately get a rejection. So anybody who can stand out a little bit and, you know, create a cover letter or a proposal that is specific to the company that you are trying to join you're going to be in the top 2% because I promise you the vast majority of your competitors are not doing that. So if you're sending pitches and proposals, be as specific and customized as you can. Yeah, I think that is really, really great advice. And as someone who receives so many cold pitches in my email and DMs, across every social platform that I'm on, I sometimes am a little disheartened when I get a really generic template. A lot of times I've gotten templates that have someone's name. I don't know whose name that is. It's not mine. It's not anyone else's on the team. And yep. I'm sure it's probably from the previous email that was maybe in their spreadsheet to outreach to. So it's a little disheartening, especially if it's something that I could potentially see myself hiring maybe mm -hmm. in the near future or just someone that I would love to have the contact to. Um, so it's always a little interesting for that. I always think about the story of when I was in college, I was majoring in marketing and i had recently switched over into a more um more niche down major of marketing from business because i knew what would i really do with a business degree i felt like i was going to just be thrown into some random industry or really struggle to find a job so after my first marketing class that i took it might have been week two week three i'm like you know what i really think that i need to get an internship 
and I really want to learn more about marketing. And at the time, I was also working another, you know, job while supporting myself in college. And I thought, you know what, maybe this is the time that I also just switch careers. I was working for a law firm and law was not something I wanted to end up. It just honestly paid my bills, paid my tuition. And I reached out to several marketing agencies near where I lived. And one of them reached back out to me and said they loved my cover letter and my personalized email that I had sent over to them. And I was very honest. I was very honest that I was in school. This is what I loved. I was super passionate about it. I was doing everything I could to learn. And I said, this is my career. I'm going to work in marketing. I would love to work for you. And they said they had to bring me in. I did the interview. I remember the interview going like double the amount of time. I think I was there for two hours. We spent the last half talking about marketing. And I just shared so many different things of brands that I love. I talked to them about businesses that I worked for, you know, just simple like customer service, retail sales jobs. I talked about how I would improve their marketing. I didn't have a portfolio. That was my portfolio. It was it was my brain just pulling out what I could do. And I actually didn't get the job. They gave it to someone else. But in a one week later, I just remember feeling so defeated. I thought I crushed it. I got it. One week later, I got an email from the co-founders and they said, you know what? We were so impressed. We can't stop thinking about how it was so personalized, how you didn't have a portfolio, but you brought so much energy and passion for marketing. And it was so unique amongst everyone else who had already graduated with a marketing degree, had maybe years of experience in marketing and portfolios and campaigns that they've done. And so I I joined the team and it was all just from the personalization. So yep. it really can go such a long way, even if it's just applying to a job or doing the cover letter. Like, I really hope this is a, re- a real PSA for everyone to just mm-hmm. personalize it. You'll be surprised that you'll actually hear back from that receiving party. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, even just, and I know, especially if you've been looking for a job or a client for a long time, it's exhausting, but spending an extra five minutes in the long run is what could get you that deal. Um, And if you are lucky enough to get an interview, I guess this is my second layer, research the crap out of that business. (laughs) Make sure you have read the last 10 blog articles and you've visited all their marketing channels and you can verbatim say their mission statement. Um, Cause I can't tell you how many times I have, you know, been excited about a candidate, got to the interview stage and they've been absolutely clueless. And, you know, just that little bit of extra initiative, it really shows a potential employer um, that you're going to be the kind of person who's going to go above and beyond. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're listening to this and you're thinking, oh, that seems like such really simple things. It is super simple, but people aren't doing it. Mm -hmm. I've, it's very rare that I get a really awesome cold picture DM in my inbox. And when I do, I jump on it because I'm like, that is someone special and who knows, knows their stuff. So if you're, like you said, Michelle, if you're feeling defeated that you haven't heard back from anything, make some slight tweaks, really pack a punch, be super impressive with how you can do your research and deliver that to the receiving party of the application or the portfolio or whatever you're sending to them in 99 percent of the time you will definitely hear back from them. So I think that is such awesome advice. I'd love to kind of end us off with this really awesome conversation, Michelle, around your journey from 
starting as an entry level social media manager to now where you are in your business with Micromarketer, I'd love to know, is there one thing or a few things that you look for when you are pairing together that business owner and that freelancer to really, you know, I, th I think you used in your bio to set them off into the sunset on their next <laughs> adventure. Is there anything that you look for um, on both sides to really know that that is going to be a strong partnership? Absolutely. So I actually start with soft skills because hard skills um, can only take you so far if you don't like the person you're working with. Um, so before I post a job, I, um, my team gets really, really nitty gritty with the business owner on the hiring profile. And a lot of that is the soft skills. So things like, you know, being reliable, a good communicator, positive like time management, those kind of things. Um, and they rank them. They rank what's most important to them. And then we look at things like, you know, their communication style. And um, for example, my team has gotten really good at, at reading business owners. And there are some who we know are going to be involved in every single process. And so we need to find a freelancer who is okay with that, right? Who won't get offended, um, but also is going to be very meticulous so that they won't get caught doing something wrong by the business, you know, not wrong, but like, you know, the, the business owner is not going to have a lot of grace. So we know that on the flip side, sometimes we get business owners who are like, I just, I don't, I don't want to deal with it anymore. Like I just need somebody to totally take it. And so we need to find somebody who can be super self-reliant and self-managed and um, not need to check in with the business owner all the time. So, you know, we spend a lot of time getting to know the business owner really well and getting to know their personality, the values of their business, and then really talking through those soft skills and what they value. Um, and so when we have those things in place, then we can search for the hard skills. But as long as we have those, those three pieces of prep work in place, um, and we've specifically looked for somebody who matches, you know, the business owner's vibe, then it's, it's a pretty great, long lasting relationship. We offer a, um, like a money back guarantee, well, not uh, a risk-free guarantee. So within three months of being hired, if they are like, this isn't going to work out, then we find them another freelancer. Um, and we've, we've never had to do that. Um, and I think that that's just part of this, like making sure that we've got it dialed in and that both sides of the equation are going to be happy and content working with each other. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I love that you also have that risk-free guarantee, but also you haven't needed to use that. So I think that really is a true testament to how powerful it is to really ensure that those soft skills are in place before moving forward. Well, Michelle, thank you so much for your time today on Hashtag Manage and for sharing with all of us about your journey and also everything that there is about outsourcing. I think there's a lot of really great and really actionable takeaways that people can take from this episode to either further prepare themselves to join a marketing team or to outsource for a role in their business. Where can our listeners find out more about you and Micromarketer? Yeah, absolutely. So our website is hireamarketer.co. So hire, H-I-R-E, amarketer.co. Um, but also we are on a lot of different social channels. I'm most active on Instagram, just at micromarketer. But I'm on LinkedIn, TikTok, uh, all the places. 
um, with the same uh, username. So I'm always happy to talk marketing. Um, and I do have a database um, for freelancers, um, particularly, you know, for your audience, social media managers who just want to be made aware of any job postings that we have. Um, so they are always welcome to go to that database as well. It's a little bit longer of a URL. So hopefully you guys can uh, link it in the show notes. But I'm always happy to connect with marketers. Um, and I, I have a special place in my heart for social media managers. Absolutely. Well, thank you again, Michelle. And thank you for all of you for listening to this episode. We will have all of Michelle's links to her website, to all of her social channels, and then to the database as well. So you can get in there, get listed, and get notified when any of those opportunities do come to light. Thank you again, Michelle, for taking the time out of your schedule and chatting with our Hashtag Manage community. Thank you for all of you for listening to this episode of Hashtag Manage. We'll be back next week with another guest expert. This episode is brought to you by our template and resource shop. Head to the show notes of this episode for a link to our new digital shop for social media managers or go to socialsavvyhq.co forward slash shop. That's S-H-O-P. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Hashtag Managed. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. That helps others find the show, and we greatly appreciate it. Come back next week for another new episode of Hashtag Managed. We'll see you then.